Welcome to Hey Girl. I'm your host, Bill Janice. Join me every week where I sit down with one of my amazing and talented friends who are experts in their field, and we have a little chat. All right, welcome to this episode of Hey Girl. I'm your host, Bill Janice. I'm really excited today. I think we have a really wonderful show. I'm sitting here with a really wonderful and brilliant talent. You've seen her in A New Day with Celine Dion, La Rev, Viva Elvis, in here in Las Vegas, just to name a few. She has also spent the last eight years working with Cirque du Soleil. She is the former head of casting for resident shows here in Las Vegas. This is Sarah Davison. Hey girl, how are you? Hey, girl. I'm doing good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. It's so good to see you. I always get excited when I hear somebody else say, hey, girl. <laughs> <laughs> it suits you. I mean, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Doesn't it just make you smile, though? <laughs> Doesn't it make you smile when you say, hey, girl? Doesn't it? Just, you can't say it without smiling right after. <laughs> It definitely sets the vibe. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I'm really thrilled to have you here and thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I really thought that it would be really wonderful opportunity for us to get together and chat. As you know, as we all know, unless you've been living under a rock the past couple months, you know that you know the world is dealing um, with some really challenging times specifically due to COVID-19. But in regards to this conversation, we have to acknowledge that the, a big, excuse me, a large community of people that have been affected greatly by it uh, is the performing and artistic community. Um, you know, we've obviously uh, seen rough times before as artists, but this is a really atypical situation. And I definitely want to get into that and talk about that. But before we get there, why don't you just, why don't we do something a little bit more happy and tell us, tell us a little bit more about you before we go, before we go dark. <laughs> why don't you, don't why don't you give us a little bit of a rundown dark. of your journey. I mean, you're from, you're, you grew up in France. Um, I know, yep. and then obviously you knew spent time here in Las Vegas, but I mean, anybody who knows you knows what a gorgeous and brilliant dancer and performer you are. Um, so, but give us, give, give, us, give us a little bit of a rundown of your history and, and what brought you here. Well, thanks. You're very kind. Uh, I, I was born and raised in France. And uh, my mom was a ballet teacher who had done all her studies at Paris Opera. So being a ballerina was really the only thing that I ever wanted to do. Sure. Um, I, I danced my whole life. I started very, very young, just forced my mom to take me to the dance studio. I would do my homework really quick in the car so I could do all the dance classes. I mean, it was just evident for me that dance had to be my life. Um, so I grew very quickly through the ranks. Uh, I had my gold medal at the conservatory in the town I was at 13. Wow. Uh, I graduated from uh, one of the national schools in Marseille at 15. And then I earned the equivalence of my college degree before my high school, uh, before my uh, high school uh, was finished, uh, just because I was advancing so quickly. Right. But then you end up having an extremely technical, uh, extremely ready to dance, 
16 and a half year old. Um, and was that is, the strategy? Was the strategy was to, 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 to get through the schooling as much like the actual like actual degrees as much as quickly as possible. So you'd have more time to dance, correct? It just happened that I was just going through the ranks at the school and they just were like, we don't have another level for you. So you need to find another school. It's uh, it was it was interesting because I I was done with schooling very quickly and I just wanted to work and I was sure. in a country where if you're not a tall skinny, you know, with feet and legs and super flexible and like Paris opera type dancer, you don't really get a job in a ballet company. Okay. And uh, and and it it really was a couple of years where I was struggling with this because I was probably the most technical girl in the room, sure. the most artistic girl in the room. You know what I mean? I could nail any choreography um, and ballet really was my passion. So but you had the there, challenges there of, been, of your height. Was yeah, the big, was I was the big, pretty short, but also very muscular, you know, yeah. which gave me some definite assets. I mean, I could nail a boy's dance class. <laughs> oh, I remember, girl. I remember taking class with you. I know. <laughs> I was that girl with entre chassis and double tour en l'air that everybody was like, what are you doing? That's not what you're supposed to do, you know? Right, right, um, right. <laughs> but you were killing it. <laughs> yeah. So, so that kind of forced me to explore more you know like even at some point I remember my mom when I was 17 telling me well you're sure you want to dance you know you're so smart you could do so many other things I mean all my teachers always said what are you doing um so I was that kid that really just was set on this and uh there were a lot of no's especially as a teenager my first job actually was in a jazz company really Uh, which one remind me um, it's a uh, Ricardums in Paris. Okay. I was actually, I had never taken a jazz class. Wow. Uh, and I was kind of taking classes with this other company in my hometown. And, uh, and he came to give like a workshop and mm. my mom was like, just try it. So yeah. I go to the beginner class. I had never taken a class. I mean, that was at a professional level, right? Right. So I right, go to right. the beginner class and the choreographer looks at me, he's like, what are you doing? Come to the next class. And it was kind of like this all day long until he got me to the pro class. And um, by the end of the week, he asked me if I wanted to join his company. That's pretty much I how love I- that. I love that. I mean, well, we all know, I mean, we all know that ballet technique is the basis of pretty much all forms of dance. So I'm sure that, you know, that was valuable to you. <laughs> I knew you said you hadn't taken a jazz class before, but clearly it, it didn't, it wasn't to your detriment at that point. <laughs> yeah. I think he saw the technique. I think he saw that I was strong and mm-hmm. that I, you know, it was really just realigning the language. Sure. Uh, yeah. So that was my first I actual love that story. with, yeah. <laughs> so I moved to Paris for that. And then, you know, company life, you don't really m- make much money unless you're performing. So you have to have like three jobs. So I performed in musicals there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can remember like I did Disney for a while as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually I completely out of nowhere saw an ad for this show for Celine Dion uh, that was going to be auditioning tomorrow in Paris. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And like I no notice. It was just dot, like, come, yeah, I got it. I completely missed the deadline uh, and still called the production and say, here's who I am, what I've done. Do you think it'd be okay if I still came audition? They said, well, we have three days, which day do you want? I'll be there tomorrow morning. Perfect. <laughs> and that was. Tell me about that experience a little bit briefly about that the, the, the process and the creation process. Yeah. 
I think the audition really made me realize that there was so much more that I could do to start with. Um, the kindness with which we were uh, received, the openness to see who we were as a whole, uh, really pushing us, really trying to see like every angle of who we are and what we can offer, that really appealed to me. Like sure. I think that was the best dance I've ever done in my life. Like I was like four pirouettes on point shoes. I mean, it was just insane. I love it. I love it. Insane day. Um, and then I went back to my job at Disney and, you know, mm -hmm. a couple of months later, uh, while I was on vacation in Tunisia, I get a phone call from a Belgium number and here's Dragon's production telling me that I'm moving to Las Vegas if I sign the contract. I love so it. Well, well, I'm so glad you did because I mean, for, for many reasons, but you know, that actually is, that is my, my personal favorite show, like of um, pretty much of all time, personally. My of all time live shows in Vegas. That was a new day. I, I mean, I saw. I was. I was blessed. I actually got to see it quite a few times after I, from being friends with you guys. You know, um, but every time I watched it, I I couldn't. I I would catch something new, or there was a new. There was a new emotion. There was a new experience. There was something, you know. There there was something new every night. And for a resident show, that you know is there five times a week or more. That I think. You know, that's really what's I mean, that's really admirable, but it's also really special, you know, that that people can come see the show multiple times and take something away different away each time. And you guys created that every night on stage. So bravo to you. I had to take I had to take the moment to say bravo to you because that was a really it, a very special, I think, show. I think it was. I think special is a good word. I think Franco's world, Franco Dragon's world is exactly that. It's creating so many little moments in every corner of the stage that when you come to the show, you really rediscover it from a different angle, right? Um, and that, that's really Franco's motto. And that has definitely been a massive uh, learning experience for me. I mean, ballerina, I get into Belgium for creation time. We have six months ahead of us and we're doing singing and we're doing drumming. And yeah. You know, Franco puts us all in a black box or wearing the same white dress and say, give me one step and only one. And then he puts them all together and suddenly it's magic, right? I love um, that. I know. I love it. I really think the way they casted the show and how they brought this family together was so careful. Sure. And, and really with intent. Sure. The diversity of this cast and the fact that we all came together in Belgium for so long and that we all went through all the highs and all the lows for so long really made it special. And mm -hmm. on top of that, you had Celine, who's such a. <laughs> Don't, we can't forget about her. We can't. We can't. <laughs> I mean, she's the cherry on the on the cake. You sure, know what I mean? Sure. He was the best boss ever. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> we were absolutely spoiled. So that that definitely was a highlight in my life. Um, and and you know, like we're all our family still. Yeah. And uh, that's probably the closest friend I still have, or, or the people from a new day. Mm hmm. How special! I love it. Now, and you, uh, you guys, and it's true. You, you guys. Um, I'll agree with you on that. It seems like, you know, there's still quite a few of the cast that stays very close in touch with each other and, and you guys find ways to stay connected. And um, it really, it did, you know, again, I was kind of an outsider looking in because I wasn't in the cast, but I remember obviously being friendly with a lot of you and, you know, um, and you guys were, you were just such a welcoming, loving family. Like, and I agree, they must have really uh, planned well on who they were going to pick to be a part of it. <laughs> 
I mean, it's it says a lot to say that most of the cast, I would say, ninety five percent of the cast stayed from day one to the very last show, and that's only five years. That's yeah, and that's something that that means something for sure because you know, especially uh, not just as a performer, but working in casting, that there's you know usually a higher turnover than that. Yeah. For sure. Well, now I know. <laughs> well, yeah, now you know. <laughs> okay. Okay, great. So so you're here in Vegas. What year, remind me, what year was that? Was that like 2000 or 2001? 2002, November of 2002 is when we moved here. Yeah. And then we opened the show at the end of March uh, 2003. Love it. And then did you, and then from there was when you went directly over to La Rev? Was that the yeah, next Yeah, I decided once they really said the show was closing once and for all. Uh, I mean, I'm French. I'm, I didn't have a residency at that time. So I decided to really work to get a work visa oh, to sure. be able to stay in the States. Uh, and that's when I was lucky enough to uh, be chosen to be part of the ballroom dancers that would mm-hmm. be recreating a part of the show. So that's when they brought in ballroom into the show in between 2007 and 2008. Right, right. Um, and that was a whole other experience again, working with Franco again. Yeah, you know, yeah. But this time it's ballroom dance, which I've never done, and scuba diving on top of it, and you know, water entrances and exits. Yeah, so I mean, why not throw some water in there? I mean, why not? You know, <laughs> Franco loved why loved not? his water shows, <laughs> especially but, with you know, I mean, the Rev dancing. Dancing tango on a three feet wide, maybe four feet wide uh, platform on the, like three or four inches high heels yeah. with water with water yeah <laughs> with <the program laughs> and and the theater's in the round so like your your perception you know frontal and you know perception is is off or, as well is probably a challenge i mean you have to add all that in and still look beautiful <laughs> yeah i think it was just you know what that's the next challenge it's mm-hmm. all part of this and let, let's just take it on and sure. uh, every step has just been like i've never done this but that doesn't mean I can't. So I love that. I love forward. that. Yeah. Not everybody, uh, you know, not everybody um, takes, I think, you know, allows themselves to take those risks or even, you know, um, you know, go into the unknown, so to speak. So I love, I love that when I hear people that are, you know, are, I don't want to say that they were fearless because I also don't believe you. I don't think, I don't believe you have to be fearless. You just can't let fear stop you. You know, <laughs> so. yeah, it needs to become your fuel. It really didn't needs to become what what gets you there. You know, sure. Uh, I mean, I came from a country where, as a dancer, you're, and it's more my generation, but you're either specialized in one thing or specialized in another. And I mm-hmm. moved to a country, the USA, where everybody learns everything. So right. that was completely different a but also extremely like a massive inspiration for me because you know i was like oh but i can actually explore everything i don't have to just be good at one thing i can try to do it all that doesn't mean i'm gonna ace it all but that really means that i can explore and grow and and continue and that's kind of been the the light motive of my life as a performer it really has yeah that makes I, i yeah totally so Tell me now, okay, um, then how we started becoming part of the Cirque du Soleil family. So you, uh, your first show with Cirque du Soleil was Viva Elvis, correct? Yeah, but I, I actually was offered a contract to move to China. 
a couple of years before that. Okay. Um, and uh, I was supposed to do the second Macau show that they were going to open. And the week after I signed the contract, I was single. I was moving to China, going to explore Asia. I actually right. met my future husband. <laughs> oh. <laughs> about three weeks after that, I wrote to the contract uh, uh, person at Cirque and said, so... I kind of met my future husband. It had been four weeks. <laughs> and you knew, you uh, just knew. And I can't move to China anymore. I can't do that to him. How do I nicely back off of this? Um, so that was my first like encounter with Cirque, really uh, contract-wise. In the end, the show didn't even happen. So it was for the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're still married now. <laughs> so it is fun. <laughs> of course you are. I know that. <laughs> um, but, uh, but then, yeah, it took them a little bit of time to call me back. And when Viva Elvis needed... Viva Elvis was a hard show. It was mm-hmm. extreme for the dancers. That stage was massive. The choreography was intense. I mean, it was just running and running and running and running and running the whole time. Yeah. Um, so they needed some extra help. And I was okay. brought in originally as a temp. I was brought in as a three-month temporary, just come and help out, uh, and you'll be done in three months. And that temp never really ended. <laughs> just kept kidding. <laughs> Don't you? You know what? Sometimes those are those are the best gigs when when you think it's just going to be a short term, and then and then it just never ends. Or or you and it, I I've been on that situation before too. When I was a performer, where it was where I was expecting it to end at a certain time, and but I was loving being there. And so when it wasn't ending and they hadn't said anything, I did the whole thing. I'm like, well, I'm not going to say anything if you're not going to say anything. If you're not going to ask me to leave, I'm staying. <laughs> Yeah, and it was it was crazy because because I'd started as a temp uh, and I was still on call at Le Rev, I did both shows for gosh maybe seven months straight. Yes, girl, that that is Le Rev. <laughs> and Le Rev was, of course, all the girls got hard at that time, so I was there every weekend, and I did yeah. my ten shows at Elvis and my four shows at Le Rev, and I was. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Like the pictures from that era, that's like the best body I've ever had in my entire life. Oh my God. Well, you still look amazing. (laughs) Um, And then it got to a point after after six, seven months, there was like, okay, it looks like the Cirque thing is going to just keep going. Sure. Uh, I'm going to take a leap of faith and, and say goodbye to the Rev. You know, mm-hmm. so I really made the decision to, to to leave Le Rev and make sure that they had replacements and all that before I left. Um, and and I really like I cherish my moments with them, uh, but my place was really at Cirque at that moment. Sure, sure. Um, so I moved to to Viva Elvis. Uh, completely devoted my time and energy to them, which was kind of nice because my body was starting to get tired. Um, and that lasted about a year and a half until they announced that the show was closing. And then, so there was about another six months of shows that were going to happen. And, you know, it was like the temp on call type thing, nothing really mm-hmm. secure. Uh, and I looked at myself in the mirror. I was 32. And I and I looked at my husband that I never saw. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. If you're doing, you're in two major shows on the Las Vegas Strip. I mean, <laughs> you don't have a lot of time for anything else. And At I that point, had you got married yet? I can't remember. At that point, were you guys already married? Yeah. Yeah, okay. we, we got married exactly a year after we met. 
So okay. mm-hmm. we spent the first three and a half years of our marriage not seeing each other really. Yeah. Like I would go see him for a quick lunch break and then go teach my classes and then run to the shows to perform. That's right, because like you were teaching during the day. And then on top of it, doing your own training and conditioning. <laughs> but I wouldn't change it for the world. Oh, of course not. You know, like, like if... If your 20s are not the time you're going to hustle, then when is it? (laughs) No, true. It's true. I mean, girl, trust me. I know. (laughs) We we all know about that hustle and that that, during that decade. (laughs) I love it. So So, tell me how we get. So going from being obviously, you know, your, your life's work as a performer, as a performing artist on stage. When did you make the conscious decision to say, I'm ready to come out of that role and then move into more of, uh, I, I'll call it an administrative role. I hope, I hope that's accurate, you know, um, by moving into working in casting and, and production, being on the other, basically being on the other side of the table. You know, I know, I know from personal experience, um, what, what that, kind of internal journey was like to to decide when it was time to be done performing on stage and to kind of explore other avenues of the business. But for everybody, it's a little different. So I'm really interested in knowing what your thought process was during that, because people don't realize how much a part of you performing is. Like we've just spent, you know, uh, 15 minutes describing the hustle and how hard it is and how much sacrifice, literal blood, sweat, and tears. Um, it's not an easy thing to walk away from. It's not. Um, I was never the kind of artist that wanted to die on stage. I Me always so I get that. To, yeah. <laughs> I always wanted to stop my career at a high point. Yeah. Um, so that was one thing. Uh, and I always wanted to explore what else there was. I mean, I grew up in a dance studio where I was doing the music and the lighting and, and the costumes for my mom. You know what I mean? As a kid, like I was always on every side of the production since very, very young. Um, and, and even though I didn't always have the time to have many side projects, like I was never scared of being, you know, an assistant stage manager here or mm-hmm. uh, helping with production side or even taking pictures or, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was never always just needed to be spotlight, part of it. You, you wanted know? to be just um, somewhere. So, that's, so that probably helped. Um, also, Meeting my husband changed my completely, uh, changed my output completely. I mean, sure. um, until I met him, dancing and performing was my love. Yeah, it really yeah. was my heart, my passion, everything. And he came into my life, and that priority shifted a little bit. Yeah, of yeah. course it does. I love it. So that that's the other uh, the other part of it. And then after three major shows on the strip, you know, in my early 30s, I mean, in that cast, just Viva Elvis alone, how many 18, 20, 22 year olds were there? You know? That was a young cast. I do remember that they, they were, um, they were so the I younger ones. They around me and said, I know I have a lot to offer still. Of course. Uh, but do I want to just keep doing? It's just going to be another show. Uh, you know, it's, and I got to the point where it was like, I could still do this for another 10 years. Do I want to? Yeah, you know, and Viva Elvis was exhausting. So my body was tired, not broken, tired. But you did. But you yeah. did. You, you. I think you obviously you made the right choice. You, you ended on a very high note as a performer, um, and and then went into 
working for Cirque. So tell me a little bit more about your experience working in the casting department there. Yeah. So the transition from dancing to casting literally took two weeks. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Like two weeks from the moment they offered me. It feels like an organic transition. It feels like something you'd be naturally good at. And it was just so seamless and easy. I was even surprised. Everybody was like, in six months, you'll regret dancing. You'll be crying and wanting to come back. And I never did. Granted, I didn't go work at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I pretty much had the best job in the world. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was a lot of learning. I was extremely lucky to be hired by a director, Krista Monston, who is the most generous uh, in her mentorship. And, and it, you know, she really taught me all the ins and outs from the get-go. Like, I remember my first casting call, gosh, it was to find an Indian uh, ethnicity dancer for love to do the Krishna role. Oh, okay. And, and, you know, the way we would do this, we would go, we have a massive database. We would go first in the database and, and look for whomever in there. So I go in the database and I look at the people that are prospected and I bring her that and say, what do you think? And I receive a five-page email <laughs> telling oh me why and this and this. I thought I was fired. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but, that's, but that's always great to get that, that detailed feedback, you know, because then you, then you know what they're looking for, you know. That's what built me. I think getting so much feedback, so much support from the get-go and really pushing me to go further than what was obvious. Uh, sure. can we go find a partner in India that could help us find new candidates? Can we just go, you know, further than what's already been done? Like you have been brought here because you can do more type thing. You yeah. Know? yeah. 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 Um, and that was, that was a huge amount of trust and, and a huge amount of learning for sure. Um, wow. but, and so many casting calls. I think my first year I worked on 110. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did you, you ever get in there. <laughs> when you were casting, I have to ask. Okay. So, I mean, well, you know, I, 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 in your, for your experience, when you were casting, did you ever find yourself, you know, um, if you maybe weren't necessarily looking for something specific, if it really was maybe more of one of the open calls just to kind of see who was out there and if, who you wanted to maybe add to the, the database, did you, was there a specific style of dancer or was there some, a, a, a you know, type so to speak that you found yourself kind of drawn internally drawn to more than more times than not or 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 was it just all across the board you know not having been trained in hip-hop the way these guys are able to move their body and Mm -hmm. how different it was from my training that always amazed me yeah and as i learned to get into this world and i get closer to them i think that was always kind of the fun part of it sure it sure refreshing and it's hype and it's current you know what i mean let's be honest uh but you know one of my favorite person that i ever hired was a ballerina and she yeah. was just fierce and gorgeous and and you know made me cry at the audition that's the only person that's ever made me cry out of eight years of auditioning dancers wow <laughs> i love it but i mean that's just such a what a journey i mean what a like um, admirable, respectful, I, I, and all the other amazing adjectives that I can't think of right now. I mean, that's just what a great journey. Could, but it's, you know, I think the longevity, you know, and I'm not in your career, 
is also due to not only your hard work, but as you mentioned before, like you were willing to take the risks into doing something that was new. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lesson there for people, you know, to, to see how, yes, see how far you can grow, see how much, see the amazing places it could take you. And I mean, you're, I think, a very great example of that, of a success story of that. Well, thank you. Um, something Franco used to tell us a lot in the creation of A New Day, and I think that's kind of his motto, is don't give up. And that mm-hmm. really stuck with me, I think, throughout uh, throughout my career, don't give up. You today you feel low. Today you don't you don't get the gig. Don't give up. Like even the biggest stars have, you know, a hundred no's for the twenty yes that we know of. So yeah, no, um, totally. I think we, all, we all need to understand that and be kind to ourselves uh, through through all of this. You know. Sure, sure. So I'm sure you know with that many years in casting for such a wonderful company. I'm sure you've been asked this a lot. So forgive me if this is, you know, maybe a broken record, but I'm curious what you maybe used to say to performers that maybe maybe didn't get hired or didn't make the cut and maybe would ask you for some constructive feedback or, you know, some sort of inspiration. I mean, did you have kind of a a general note or go to on, on auditioning or like as you just said not giving up? I mean, what was there something what was the you know, what was the advice you used to give people? So the biggest advice when we started audition, even before we made any choice on anybody, is don't try to show us who you think we want. Ooh, I like that. You know, uh, and I think that's important, especially nowadays. Like, if you can't be you, then you can't be an honest performer. And if you're not an honest True. performer, True. your performance won't come through, right? True, um, yeah. So- so as much as we give you material and choreography and a theme and an idea and, and, and even like exactly what to do, still be you. Don't, don't give me the wink and the smile and, and, you know, and the arm exactly like I want because it may not be what puts you in your best light. And especially in an audition setting. Once we're at the show level, it's a different thing. Well, yeah, then there's more direction and, and whatnot about, you know, the character or the role. I, I get it. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. Well, I think, I think uh, you know, I love the way you worded that. And I, I think that, I think sometimes the younger dancers, well, no, that's not fair of me to say. I shouldn't just say the younger dancers. I think, I think in general, <laughs> you know, we all have our egos, all of us as performers, you know. And I think sometimes it was a struggle to comprehend that concept because you are so programmed maybe from an early age to go in and try and and play a part for it specific to that audition or something, you know? And, and I think it's still hard for or some people to separate the fact that you're what you just said, you said, well, that may not be you. We want to don't show us who you think we want, show us you. And it's hard for them to feel like, well, if I still don't get it and I showed you me, does that mean I'm not good enough? You know what I mean? <laughs> so you're like, it just means it's not what we need right now. <laughs> it's so tricky because in the context of Cirque, what the sh- the company needs is so wide, right? Because mm-hmm. when we did these big open calls with like 300 plus candidates, we were, I wasn't there as an advisor for the residential. I was there as a scout for the entire company. Sure. Um, so I would have to keep an eye for the trickster for the touring. I would have to keep an eye for all the dancers. So MJ love, but also anything that was on tour or coming up in new creations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes these artists don't know what's coming up and we can't share that, but we have to push them to try to get there. And, and 
I think what I've seen the most is really artists that went trusting their their inner instincts. Like instinct, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that were really just not be like not letting themselves be themselves, and that's yeah. where it would be the difference. We work so much with improvisation and and you know themed improvisation and and like colors and and, and characters and if you can't figure out who you would be as that lizard or as that groupie or as that uh, MC, then you can't, we won't believe you. You know what sure. I mean? Yeah, 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 totally. That was something I personally always struggled with was improvisation. It was never my, <laughs> it's never my strongest point. When I would go to auditions, I used to, and I would, you know, I'm grateful to say it more times than not, I would typically make it to, you know, the end or one of the final cuts. But then at the end, if at the end, because that seems to be you, that usually when they would throw in improv was towards the end, um, at least in my experience. And I would always have that little internal panic where I was like, oh, now they want me to improv. I just did all the choreography they wanted me to do, obviously to their liking. And now they want me to improv. But some people thrive on that. And it was just, for me, it was just not one of my strongest points. <laughs> I think starting the generation right after us, they really started to thrive on improv and technique. Yeah. Almost they had a little bit more freedom, I think. For a while, and now it's balancing again, right? You have these mm -hmm. kids that are everything. <laughs> yeah. and these, oh, I know. These kids, like, I can't. I can't. There's Some of them are just mind-blowing that's the talent and the ability you know the, but like you you had touched on it earlier we were never really when we were younger we weren't really expected to do or even encouraged to do more than one thing it was like we weren't you weren't you were a dancer it wasn't a dancer aerialist acrobat and contortionist and actor and singer. Exactly. you know what I mean? <laughs> it's insane all the stuff that these kids do and push themselves through you know it's really insane uh coming from not that world yeah. uh but being on the front seat for that is quite magical oh i bet i bet well all right so we have to we obviously have to get to the the current situation so again, Cirque du Soleil, <laughs> the, the not so fun part, but I am confident there'll be a happy ending here. Um, but let me just run through this. You know, Cirque du Soleil, obviously a worldwide company. Cirque du Soleil's first show had only 10 acts and it hit 15 cities in Quebec. Now there are 23 Cirque du Soleil shows worldwide, including six permanent shows here in Las Vegas and 12 that are on tour. Cirque du Soleil has recently filed for bankruptcy protection and has unfortunately laid off 3,500 employees, which pains me to even read that um, number. And unfortunately, I know you have, were also one of them. So where do we go from here? I mean, this is the, the question at hand. I mean, how, how did, can you tell, I, I know it's probably not the funnest thing to talk about, but can you tell me a little bit about how you got the news and, and what you're feeling? You know, it's really tricky because we knew since uh, COVID happened and, of course, all the shows had to close. Like, in one week, all the shows really had to close one by yeah, one. Yeah, there was, like, no warning. It was just everything. Yeah. Well, same, I mean, the whole strip in general, even all the casinos, everything. Yeah, everything closed down, yeah. yeah. So it started with China and then and then it slowly went to, I mean, slowly, no, quickly went to Europe and all the tours were kind of just at a halt from one day. And then about a week later, all of the Vegas shows were just uh, closed off. So we knew, we knew this was a crazy situation and unheard of. Sure. The company um, 
needs to secure the future of the brand. Sure. Because everybody wants Cirque du Soleil to come back. It's such a staple. It's it's made so many millions of people dream. Uh, it needs to come back. And, and fortunately, I think for them, that really means making some crazy, harsh decision for mm-hmm. the family, you know? Um, and, and it sucks. It sucks for all the people that have been, uh, so the, the term is permanently laid off. <laughs> okay. That's the, that's the verbiage um, you know, where they're using. Well, okay. But that's just as of last week, we, sure. we were all on furlough up until then. For like you three know, months like, prior or something tried, like that. They tried really hard to keep everybody's link of employment as much as possible and it came to the point that it was either that or the company can survive yeah um, I because I, i'm sure there's all kind of legal stuff that they have to figure out a restructuration before investors can come back and help the company so there's sure. a lot of things i don't understand <laughs> that's <laughs> no no i get it my favorite <laughs> i'm not a business strategist so <laughs> yeah that's that's a little bit beyond my understanding but what what i get from it is really securing the future of Cirque sure. du Soleil. And that's exactly what, what the focus is right now. No, I, I mean, I think you actually said it quite eloquently. Um, so yeah, I think that that's definitely the strategy and the intention. Um, but unfortunately, with hard decisions like that, and when there's, especially with a, a company that big, um, there's you know hard decisions to make and, and it affects a lot of people um and it isn't just the performers as you and i both know it's the also the people behind the scenes and the people who work in the theater the ushers the um box office um then also um the technical elements with the lighting and the sound i mean it's people who don't people who have not had the pleasure of of experiencing working in production sometimes probably unintentionally don't realize how many more people are involved and how many jobs are affected. And it, it's not just who you see on stage. Um, I mean, we're talking HR, finance, marketing, everything, yeah. production, assistant, like all of it. Everything, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. It's all of this that's gone right now. Yeah. I know personally, you know, because sometimes I, I think about it as well. I mean, I, I'm at a point personally where I have, it was about two years ago where I made the conscious decision to step away from performing. And that was my personal choice. And, you know, I, and that was hard in its own right, obviously a very different situation, but just pulling from that experience, I can, I can understand how heartbreaking it, it could be for, especially for the performers. I, sometimes I think of the ones that maybe had just recently been cast and their lifelong, I mean, this is their life's work. And it's, you know, and obviously I know we're specifically talking about Cirque du Soleil right now, but, you know, we have to also include that. Broadway has also announced that they're not coming back until 2021. And, you know, there's so many, when you're a performing artist, it is your life's work. And it is something that I I think is hard to articulate perfectly. But I also know from, at least for me, I remember I used to say as as lame as this might sound, I used to say (laughs) that dancing didn't, that I didn't pick dancing and it picked me. <laughs> like yeah. it wasn't an option. It was something I had to do. And to to know that there's so many performers out right now that it, it's been kind of taken away from them. And it was unexpected and it was not their fault. And it's completely unfair. And I'm just wondering, and again, sorry, not just performers, as I said, everybody. 
And I'm just wondering where where do you go from here? What are, what are your ideas on how to move forward? Or are we taking a beat? Are we just going to take a pause and try and figure it out? Which is also uh, a respectful thing to do. I'm I'm just curious where where you're at. Me, oh, gosh, uh, I'm not a take a beat kind of girl. I mean, okay. I moved from performing to casting in two weeks. So that gives sure. you an idea of how quick I want to move forward. At this point, it's really, it's really about making sure my family's lifestyle is going to stay. Okay. Consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, so it means stepping away from entertainment because there's no entertainment right now, at least not something that can be sustainable mm-hmm. um, and going back to school. You know? Okay, and using the time that I have with the benefits that I that I have to really rebuild myself and taking that experience that I have to to help others in in, in a different uh, business uh, type of setting. So hopefully, I've still got a few more weeks, and then uh, and then eventually there'll be some news coming out. Yeah, uh, and 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 weirdly enough, it's exciting because it's something different. Um, it's also exciting because I'm really thinking of how I could brand myself in this world and how sure. I could use my my knowledge and my experience within this, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see where that goes and 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 how that grows. But so far, it's it's a different, completely different uh, uh, avenue. Well, which, I mean, here you a- are again. You're you're at a part. You're in a, a moment where it's completely new again, but. Yeah, I think your track record has proven that this usually works out best for you in the end. (laughs) (laughs) To put a positive spin on it. I think in the end it does, you know, and it takes getting kind of punched in the face a few times to realize that you choose when you get down. Mm -hmm. You really do. Uh, I mean, even through my wonderful years at Cirque, you know, you you get through challenges, but without that, you you can't be the best you are. If everybody just hands you everything, what good is that for? And then you don't grow. Sure. Uh, and I'm really all about growth. I'm really all about uh, helping others around me growing um, and, and, and trying to figure out a way to still be in an industry where I can help others and where yeah. I can support them in their choices, you know? So I love that. Well, and yeah, and you have, you've, you've mentioned um, to me prior to that, you know, it's been uh, such a joy of yours and, and a, a continued goal to, keep inspiring others because also you you've had the you've had the pleasure of being part of a team that is help giving access to so many people's dreams you know and i mean that's got to be an amazing feeling as well and i'm sure you will definitely find ways to still use those talents and those experiences to get to that place and i'm sure you're going to continue inspiring lots of people with whatever it is that what is whatever it is that comes up next. I know we're in, you know, it's that moment where I think a lot of people are just wondering, well, what's next? You know, do you have any sort of uh, other than everything you, other than everything you've just said, do you have any, <laughs> do you have any um, kind of words of wisdom or, or kind of uh, thoughts that you maybe would want to share specifically to performers that are that that know at this point that they will not be going back the best case scenario they're not going back to work for at least another six seven months Mm -hmm. i think when you when you're faced in front of a road that you didn't choose like this um what 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 performers and and people in the entertainment community i think what we all need to do is do what's right for us Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people are trying to to grind and find the next project and be creative and and challenge the statu quo and be online and offer all kind of stuff and and that's amazing. 
but not everybody has this ability and some people just need to take a break. Mm -hmm. And that's completely okay. If you come out of this six, seven more months, just saying I made it through, it's completely fine. You know, Um, I think there's, uh, especially as artists, there's this constant self expectation of being better and growing and all that. Totally. Totally Uh, true. Totally. And, and, and maybe the one time in your life where you're going to be able to not push yourself so much, you know, if it's not right for you, then don't push it. I love that. I think that's actually really great advice because <laughs> everybody's, you know, everybody handles things differently, of course. And, and it is, it's just, it's one of those moments where I don't think either anybody has the perfect answer right now. I think the, per- the perfect answer is within you is within each individual. I think it's do what's right for you. Um, and eventually you will get tired of sitting on your couch. You know, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm still pretty comfortable that, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but there will be a point, you know, I mean, it's not like you're doing nothing. You have this wonderful podcast. You know what I mean? Everybody loves you. So they'll be willing to tell you everything. No, I know. I was kidding. I, I saw an opportunity for a joke. I took it. No. <laughs> Imagine in five years when you're this massive radio show host and, you know, and, and you're like, remember, I'll be like, I was one of his first podcasts, you guys. Yes! <laughs> Your episode number eight. Yeah, oh I love God. it. <laughs> yeah. so, so it's, I think eventually you'll, you'll find something and it may just be trained. Yeah. It may just be cooked. Yeah. It may just be completely reinvent yourself as an artist. It may be learning a new yeah. trick, maybe going back to school. It may be having a baby. Yeah. Who knows what it could be, you know? Uh, but it's it's making the space for you to be able to figure out what that choice is going to be and what that route is going to be. Uh, I, I Well said. Very well said. I, I, I completely agree. I think I think we've definitely... The silver lining here is that we've all been afforded the gift and luxury of time, which at least in my lifetime, I don't think I've ever had this much um, t- uh, available time is what I'll call it. Um, I don't like calling it downtime because that sounds negative. But, <laughs> but um, and yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. It's, it's one of those moments where you can choose to look at the dark side of it or you can say I'm going to make the best of it and I'm going to do all those things you mentioned I'm going to teach myself something new I'm going to make myself available for something new I'm going to or in it maybe it is even silence maybe it's just going into a deeper place within to find something deeper within you and maybe that takes doing you know the nothing for a little while too because that's the thing too I want to make it clear I don't think I think you know some people as you said think that you have to just go 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 in order to, to feel like you're being productive or in order to feel like you're actually ascending. But sometimes saying still, if you're not sure is also the right answer too, but it's just something you have to figure out for yourself. Just like when you dance, you know, you don't have to move all the time. The moments of stillness are actually quite powerful. Another part, I, another thing I, I was, I never, I was never good at. I was always that crazy dancer that had to move crazy fast all the time and flip my hair and kick my leg and bah, bah, bah. <laughs> If you asked me to stand still, I would probably be still standing there, like shaking, like what? <laughs> you remember? <laughs> I remember. Yes. It's all spastic. <laughs> Kidding. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I honestly do believe that wonderful, amazing things are in store for you and the company and everyone else. You know, obviously. 
I'm a little biased because the performing community is so close to my heart because that's where I came from as well. But even, even, you know, if you're not performing, obviously we are aware that every, and every industry has been affected by the, by the pandemic. Um, but I'm so glad to hear your perspective today. And I think, you know, I think, I thought you would be the perfect person to deliver a message of hope and inspiration during a time of crisis that just unfortunately in the moment um, hasn't shown uh, a light at the end of the tunnel yet. I don't know if I want to say it like that. Hold on, give me a second. But, and for, you know, it, it just, we're still in the muck of it, you know? Yeah, I think we still have some difficult times coming and sure. the waves are going to keep hitting us. Uh, but there will be a light at the, t- uh, the, uh, the end of the tunnel. There will yeah. Absolutely be, because if it's not given by the state of the world, I am confident that this community that is the most resilient community I've ever known sure. will find a way to come back, you know? So 100%. let's just, oh. uh, let's just keep your fingers crossed for that. It's true, honey. I mean, we know how to hustle. We're resilient as artists. So, and the world needs it. I think, you know, the world needs it. The world needs music and art and beauty and performance and I mean it's I mean we could have a whole nother show just talking about the benefits of performance and the benefits even as an you know an audience member like what you get when you go what kind of experience you get when you go see a show and there's only so much you can get from Netflix and Disney Plus you know what I mean I think people right now have really rushed to what's online and what's on their tv and and a lot of (laughs) quote unquote normal people uh don't realize all all the teams that are working on this and what it takes to get there right because it's just delivered to their tv well it's so available now to them what wasn't available before you know when we were younger you know we had to i mean remember going remember going to the theater when you were a kid like you know or the ballet or something and just getting dressed up and just so excited and just oh it's oh oh, i get chills when i think about it it yes (laughs) (laughs) like i was i would i was oh gosh i was such uh i'm sure i was such a handful my poor mother but like i (laughs) i would you know i internally I, i still even remember pretending like I was on a red carpet when I would go to shows, you know, like nobody was looking at me, but like, I mean, nobody was there, but I, in my mind, I was walking up the staircase, to, you know, in the theater and I'm just picturing, you know, waving to people. I'm like, yes, I'm at this gorgeous, you know, show. <laughs> you should, I totally should. And, and, you know, it has to come back. I mean, I have a three-year-old boy and I want him to be able to go to see a live theater experience. I want him to be able to, to have that human connection from sure. the stage to that front row. You know, I, I, I want him to feel the rush of uh, these performers jumping on the trampoline or throwing themselves from a trapeze. Like it, it has to come back. There's just no other option. There's an entire generation that still is gonna need to, to grow and, and learn from that. So if that means we all have to wear masks, and put their makeup all over the masks, then the solution, the solutions will come, yeah. you know, as, as we move forward. But it, it would be such a shame for the next generation not to be able to live that, you know. Um, I agree. So it's, it's just make it happen. Well, I think we're going to get through it. And I definitely, you know, I think all of our best days are still ahead of us. So thank you so much again for coming on and I just really appreciate your words and um I just I just think you're the best. <laughs> really, I've always I'm I'm a fan. I've been a fan, you know, forever. <laughs> and it's so nice to get to you're catch so up with sweet. you. Thank you so much for having me. 
uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really just always so fun to have a chat with you and, and catch up. And I'm really, really honored that you've thought of me for this. So thank you, girl. My pl- Thanks, girl. I mean, girl, the pleasure's all mine. Okay. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. If you like what you hear, go ahead and hit that subscribe button for me. And we will see you next week. Girl, say our girl. I'll see you later. <laughs> Bye, girl. <laughs> 